0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to This Week in Sports. It is Friday, December second, two thousand and 22, wait for it, and I'm your host, The Pody, as always, back on tap for episode 193 of This Week in Sports, so very excited to uh, be here. We've got a very long episode probably. I've got a lot to talk about. We've got a rundown, talk about the CFP updated uh, standings. I'm watching currently the Pac-12 championship between Utah and USC. USC so far up 14-3, to 3, looking great. Right before kickoff, about 25 minutes or so before kickoff, I decided to throw some money on the USC Trojans. This is a revenge spot. They lost in Utah to the Utes earlier in the season, 43 to 42. I almost parlayed it with Caleb Williams over 30 rushing yards. He's at 73 rushing yards in the first quarter. It's unbelievable up and he's got himself three more rushing yards there. So just incredible what he's doing. He's going to win the Heisman at this rate. It's just, it's a given at this point. So uh, they're rolling. I feel good right now. They have the ball minute 30 to go in the half. Um, so yeah, I feel I feel good about this one. Um so with that being said, why don't we jump in and we'll talk about all of it. Uh looks like he's got some blood there on his on his back le- uh, right leg Caleb Williams does. So I don't know if that's a hand injury or what from being tackled just now. Uh low throw gets the completion. Looks like they have a first down. Okay, so they're rolling. So with that being said, let's jump in. We're going to first start off recap some college football, and the CFP is shaping up. It's not at all what we thought. It's not at all what I thought, not by a long shot. Not by a long shot, people. Not even close. So we've got Georgia, Michigan, and TCU. They are the lone unbeaten teams. They are, right now, I believe, they're the locks um, to win, to, to, to get in pretty much, uh, a lot would have to happen. TCU could probably lose and get bounced just because they're not one of the big names, but Michigan and Georgia, if they lose, I think they're still going to get in USC scooped up the fourth and final spot after taking care of Notre Dame relatively easily. I saw a lot of people jumping on the Notre Dame bandwagon for this game, and I just didn't understand why. Uh, I thought USC would roll in this game, and they they won handily, I think, by like 15, uh, but it wasn't really close much of the game. Uh, Caleb Williams supplanted himself, in my opinion, as the Heisman winner. He is dominating this game right now, just dominating. Um, He ran for three touchdowns, threw for one against Notre Dame, just unbelievable. The big storyline on Saturday, though, was the thrashing the absolute beatdown that michigan laid on ohio state it was just incredible i i believe they hadn't beaten ohio state um the buckeyes at home uh in like 8 years the buckeyes were like 8 and 0 oh, in the last eight years against Michigan at home. And now for the second straight year, Jim Harbaugh couldn't slay the dragon for all those years at Michigan. And now for the second straight year, he absolutely thrashes them um, this time around. Donovan Edwards was the big storyline here. I don't know if Ohio State just forgot to play defense or what in that fourth quarter, but Edwards had touchdown runs of 75 and 85 yards in the fourth quarter alone, and Michigan held Ohio State to just three points in the second half. I made a mistake in this game. I got a 50% profit boost that I thought I used on the over in this game, which was 56. That hit easily. I ended up realizing the 50% profit boost was never added to my bet, so I just got minus 110 odds. So I was a little peeved. So I was like, I got to use this boost. So I bet Ohio State live at minus like two and a half in the first half. And I was feeling pretty good about that until I wasn't, until it was an absolute beatdown. So I ended up losing five bucks on that at the end of the day. And then, uh, you know, an up and down couple days. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, I just was shocked that Ohio State had zero response. At all, and now their only path into the CFP because they will be out of the Big Ten championship game. We now know that's Michigan, Purdue, um, Ohio State needs a USC or at this point TCU. T- uh, USC doesn't look like they're losing, going to lose this game to Utah, so they're going to need a TCU loss. I don't think unless Michigan were to somehow lose badly to Purdue, um, then maybe. But I, I think at this point they can only hope for a TCU loss to Kansas State to get them in. So, uh tough sledding. CJ Stroud didn't look great in this game. They they just had no answer. A uh, side note though, this game racked in 17 million viewers, making it the most watched game since at least 2011. Okay, moving on. Um Texas A&M We all know uh, I've talked about them and the disappointing season they've had. They were ranked sixth in the preseason poll, lost six straight SEC games, were actually at one point in last place behind Vanderbilt. Um, Just one of the most disappointing seasons that I can ever remember with a team that was surrounded with this much hype. Um, They ended LSU's hopes on Saturday. Number five LSU was taken down by lowly A&M in College Station 38 to 23 just a little bit shocking there. Um we also saw a bunch of coach- coaches get hired and fired. We saw Nebraska hire Matt Rule who was fired earlier this year with the Panthers and he will take over the Cornhuskers on a whopping 8-year deal. I mean how many coaches are going to leave the the college ranks to go to the NFL to only to get fired and have it not work out? This happens time and time again. There's a few of them where it has worked out, but second second go of it with like Pete Carroll. Um, there, there's, you know, Nick Saban, one of the worst moves ever. Like he was one of the worst NFL coaches of all time. We saw it with uh, Greg Schiano. He went to Tampa Bay. They were okay for a year or two. Then there was a lot uh, just a whole bunch of stuff that went down there. So it just, it, 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 doesn't work. Um, we saw it with Chip Kelly worked for a hot minute with that uptempo offense with the Eagles. Just, just bad, 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 bad. Um, so yeah, he's back in the college ranks. He is also, uh, adding to his coaching staff bringing in, they cannot sack Caleb Williams. He's like, it's like a video game right now. Um, He's bringing in Marcus Satterfield as his offensive coordinator and tight ends coach. Satterfield was with South Carolina this season as their offense coordinator and immediately rumors started swirling that quarterback Spencer Rat Rattler um would be following his OC to to Lincoln um although his father shot those down and just tweeted out fake on Twitter. So we'll we'll see. Um We'll see. Was it fake when Jordan Addison was rumored to be going to USC and leaving Pitt at the end of last season? No. Um, Another first down inside the 20 for USC. They are absolutely dialed in right now. Um, So yeah, something to keep an eye out for, um, for Nebraska fans. Kenny Dillingham is expected to get the Arizona State job. In fact, I believe he was hired already Dillingham, if you don't recognize that name, I had to look into him. He's a 32-year-old offense coordinator at Oregon. He will become the youngest head coach in the Power Five. In his lone season as offense coordinator at Oregon this year, the Ducks are fourth in the country, averaging 40.2 points per game. This, though, was his first year as a primary play caller He has worked in the past as an offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Florida State, Auburn, and Memphis. So not a splashy hire, I don't think. Um, Curious to see how he does there at Arizona State because they've just been bad. They fired Herm Edwards earlier this year. Uh, Willie Taggart, another guy been fired at Florida Atlantic. They didn't waste much time finding a new coach, however, hiring Tom Herman to replace him. Yes, Tom Herman, who was previously at Texas. Um, he Tom Herman's not a bad coach. 54 and 22 in six seasons, 22 and four at Houston, which is just ridiculous. 32 and 18 at Texas. Also an impressive 5-0 and in bowl games. Willie Taggart was very mediocre in his time, in his three seasons at Florida Atlantic. I believe he won five games in all three seasons. Um, and then he finished this season with a 5-7 record. He might have finished the last two seasons 5-7, and seven, and I believe 5-8 and eight or 6-7. and seven. They did get a bowl game in his first year, I believe. Um, Stanford coach David Shaw, another respected coach in the game. He's been at Stanford since Jim Harbaugh left for the 49ers, so that's a, going a ways back. Um, He resigned early Sunday morning after 12 seasons. It's been a rough go of it the the past few years. So not too surprising there. Um, Luke Fickle is finally leaving Cincinnati for uh, greener pastures. He's a Big Ten guy at heart, but he's not leaving for Ohio State. That's really, you know, he's from Ohio. Um, He's actually going to Wisconsin. So very interesting move there. Uh, Jim Leonard was rumored to be in discussion for that job. Of course, Leonard um, took over when they fired their coach earlier this year. He was the interim. Uh, let's see here. USC has second and goal from like the three-yard line. Caleb Williams running around. No, the receiver was out of bounds. So no touchdown at the back of the end zone. And we move on. Uh, Auburn, in a not a surprise move, but they hired Hugh Freeze, the same Hugh Freeze who was ousted at Ole Miss in part for using a company burner phone, essentially, to call escorts. And while at Liberty, he's been pretty good at Liberty, um, is alleged to have been direct messaging a woman who is now suing the school over sexual assault claims. So there's that. Uh, He apparently agreed in his contract with Auburn to relinquish control of his social media accounts once he starts the job, which is kind of funny when you think about it. Uh, But look, he can coach, yes. Um, He beat Nick Saban twice. While at Ole Miss in just five years and had one pretty darn good year with Malik Willis at Liberty, really brought them to the national spotlight. Um, And now he's back in the SEC because he's familiar with it. And Auburn's been just a mess the last few years. So hoping he can, you know, get them back to uh, reality. Uh, UAB in a surprise move is hiring former ESPN analyst and Super Bowl winning quarterback Trent Dilfer. 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 Dilfer has zero college coaching experience, although he spent the past uh, bunch of years um, coaching a high school team in Tennessee, Lipscomb Academy, coached them to a 15 and 0 season, and they won a state championship yesterday. I believe this started to leak. They tried to keep it under wraps. It leaked. So he had to fly to UAB have an opening press conference etc cetera, etc cetera, and then fly back for his uh state championship game. Here was uh Dilfer, who I'm a big fan of. I think ESPN did him dirty, so I'm glad to see him having success. Dilfer's Dimes, um he runs the Elite Quarter Elite 11 quarterback camp every year, so he he's familiar um with, with you know with the recruiting process just a little bit, and I believe he touched on that here in his opening press conference. So take a listen to what he had to say.
1: You will get the best of me. You'll get the best. Sorry about that. You will get the best of me. You'll get the best of a 42-year-old football life that's had some of the greatest people in the game influence them, none more than my dad who's sitting right there who started me on this football journey on the back of a blocking sled. But I've been shaped by some of the greatest football minds that have ever coached. And you will get the very best of me. I will be relentless in my work ethic. I will be passionate about what I do. I will love and serve this campus with everything that I have. My family will be completely invested and you'll get the very best. The net of that, I believe, will be an era of UAB football that many couldn't possibly imagine.
0: So all good stuff. He's a he t- he's an upstanding guy. Um, how can you how can you not like Trent Dilfer? So I'm wishing him all the best in his college coaching journey. And after all of this with the coaching carousel and whatnot, we know that Deion Sanders of Jackson State has been offered the Colorado State job. There's rumors he might go to uh, South Florida. But we're still waiting to see because it's pretty much time for him now to make that leap to a Power Five conference and you know a big time school from Jackson State. He's pretty much done all he can do there, turn them into a powerhouse, um, you know, among the all black, historically black colleges. So uh, yeah, wait, waiting to see the other shoe drop with Deion Sanders. Uh, Lastly, we have some news that will probably make a lot of people happy in terms of the college football playoff. This week, we found out that the CFP is going to be expanding to 12 teams in 2024, up from the four that it has always been, right, since its inception way back, what was that, 2014, 2015. Um, Here's how it will work. Teams five through eight will be hosting playoff games in their home stadiums. And then from there, the second round will feature teams one through four as they had buys in the first round, plus everybody else, and will be played at bowl sites, including the Rose Bowl. So here's what happens. Basically, the Rose Bowl made us think about keeping its New Year's Day 5 p.m. time slot, wanting assurances from the College Football Playoff Leadership Committee that its game would continue to be played at 5 p.m. on New Year's Day. In an exclusive broadcast window. It wanted that valuable time slot, even in years in which the Rose Bowl was not a CFP quarterfinal game, which would mess up the calendar and the way the new postseason would work. Oh, and they wanted special treatment no other bowl receives. Here's a statement from uh, Laura Farber, who is the Rose Bowl Management Committee Chair. She said, in our negotiations, we initially asked for an exclusive window around the Rose Bowl's historic time slot, 2 p.m. Pacific time, January 1st, 5 p.m. Eastern. Then she goes on to say, while we relinquished that ask, the Tournament of Roses is going to continue to work with the CFP Board of Managers on how we will fit into the CFP playoff rotation, and it is our intent to keep the Rose Bowl game on January 1st, but we're going to remain flexible as needed. I love the idea, first of all, of playoff games in home stadiums. That's awesome. Could you imagine, you know, your alma mater um, hosting a college football playoff game, the electricity, the atmosphere in a do-or-die playoff game, just like in the NFL. Just aw- That would be awesome, awesome, awesome. So I'm glad we are getting this. Um, some people maybe don't necessarily like it jumping this quickly from from four teams to straight up 12 teams it's a lot of extra games we could see some of these teams playing a lot of games it's you know that we've never seen this before um but I'm all for it for sure uh Utah just got a big pass and a fumble and a USC recovery, baby, on second and 15. USC absolutely dominating this game. By the way, they ended up settling for a field goal on fourth and goal before, so it's 17-3. USC has the ball. Uh, are they around midfield? They might be in Utah territory right now. I believe they're in Utah territory around the 40. So this is an awesome bet that I made. Um, Yeah, also with this expanding to 12 teams, I'm hearing that, Uh, We will also see basically around the same time in conjunction with this expansion, we will see the end of divisions across the major conferences, which thank God is a long time coming because I've been screaming about this with the Big Ten. It's so lopsided, the East versus the West. I mean, we have Michigan playing Purdue in the Big Ten championship game when we should have Michigan, Ohio State playing for a second straight week in the Big Ten championship game. So um, it'll be good, especially for Rutgers, play some of these other teams and screw the divisions because we suck every single year playing the likes of Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. When you've got you know these lesser teams in 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 the West that we could be playing too. Uh, okay, that's that's all I've got for the college stuff. I'll get at the end. I'll tell you which. Which obviously it's championship weekend. I'll break down the time slots and and games for college uh this weekend. Um, let's let's talk about the NFL real quick. Uh the Bucs are a hard team to figure out. The Browns somehow came back and beat them in overtime. They should not have won this game, but on fourth and 10, David and Joku made a ridiculous one-handed catch um in the end zone to tie the game late. After some back and forth in overtime, Jacoby Brissett found a wide open Amari Cooper. The defender just fell down. Uh, He catches it and runs it to like the three yard line or five yard line. And somebody please explain to me why the Browns didn't just immediately kick a field goal for the win. Instead, they ran it. One time got stuffed, and then the next time it was the next time it was second down or third down, I believe second down, that Nick Chubb ended up running it in for a touchdown. But my God, can you imagine if Nick Chubb fumbled that ball and they went 90 something yards the other way for the win? Just kick the field goal, the game is over. Uh, so just that was a surprise there. Let me wait and see what happens on this play. Um, the cameras were showing Caleb Williams after the ball was thrown. Utah stops them now. It's fourth and eight. I don't know what USC is doing their last handful of plays. They could have really um, went up like 24 to three here. Yeah, a little high and wide from Caleb Williams there. Anyway, so yeah, the Browns get the win. And congrats to Jacoby Brissett. He led... The OT, uh, you know, come from behind victory, and now he will be benched because we will be getting to see Deshaun Watson making his season debut here in week 13. So thanks, Brissette, for nothing. You led the team to, what, a 4-7 and record, and now we're making a change at quarterback. Uh, Kind of crazy. I'm curious to see the fan reaction to Deshaun Watson. Um, They really just went for it on fourth and eight, and I believe it's going to be a hold On the offensive line, Uh, not good for USC there. They really just lost all momentum. It was a hold. Uh, Oh, that was bad. Okay. Um, Yeah, I'm seeing Caleb Williams throwing off his back foot. He thinks he's hot shot all of a sudden, and he's lost his mechanics. Taking a page out of the old Sam Darnold or Zach Wilson playbook. Can't have success throwing off your back foot. Not every time, at least. No, no, no. Um, so yeah, I'm curious to see Deshaun Watson's, you know, the reaction from the fans there after his 12 game suspension, the commanders have quietly won six of seven with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. They lead the league in takeaways, and I believe they're getting chase young back this week, just in the nick of time to face the giants. Uh, so that's, of that that's one of the top games of the week. Um, speaking of Zach Wilson, I just mentioned him a second ago. He was benched. And yeah, he may never get his job back. We all know what transpired after the Pats game where he was asked if he feels he let his team, his defense down, and he said no. The Jets immediately acknowledged that that was a bad, bad move by him and benched him in favor of Mike White. Uh, CJ Uzama was on a podcast and he explained that the entire locker room was aware as soon as this happened, as soon as they basically turned on their phones after the game, they knew what he had said. And they did not like it. So uh, CJ had basically texted Zach and said, you really should uh, speak to the team because you rubbed a lot of guys the wrong way. Apparently Zach did do that after a team meeting when the coaches left. And he was very emotional and the team sort of accepted his apology essentially. And they said that was big of him and earned him some basically some brownie points with the team. But it's, you know, too little, too late. He may never get his starting job back. After what Mike White went out and did in the rain, 22 of 28, 315 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, just an absolute stud in his fourth start ever. The fifth rounder had a Western Kentucky and he just made the easy look easy as head coach Robert Salas said after the game. Um, And he did this all in the rain. And guess what? He made the Jets receivers look really good, including Elijah Moore scoring his first touchdown of the season. So I've given the Jets a very good chance to go into Minnesota and beat the Vikings. Um, Okay, the Raiders. One of the most disappointing teams this season has quietly won two in a row. Two games in a row that they walked it off with touchdowns in overtime, um, One of the weirdest teams this season that I just cannot figure out. They've been very disappointing, um, but definitely not the most disappointing. That's the Broncos. But on the road in Seattle, Josh Jacobs quite literally put the team on his back. He finished with 33 carries for 229 yards, 74 receiving yards, and an 86-yard touchdown run in overtime. To win the game. I, I, I'm i surprised I don't have that audio for you. um, And I'm just too lazy to pull it up. But yeah, just an unbelievable run. um, And the Raiders have won two in a row because last week it was Devontae Adams with the 35-yard touchdown to walk it off. And I don't know if they're totally out of it. They'd have to win out again, but don't count the Raiders out. They did it last season. So we'll see. Um, Russell Wilson, let's speak. Speaking of the Broncos, my oh my are they bad. They've sunk to a new low after losing to the Sam Darnold led Panthers 23 to 10. I've never seen more hype around a team in an offseason to then go three and eight. It's unbelievable. They had Super Bowl aspirations when they traded for Russell Wilson and they traded away picks. My God, Seattle's going to have themselves a top five pick. Um, we've seen and heard it all by now in terms of Russell Wilson. Um, he rubs the players the wrong way. We see how Seattle uh, players are reacting since he's been gone. Um, you know, with these these little digs, the, uh, these passive aggressive comments after games and interviews and whatnot. So it's just been very strange. And then we have we see him yelling at you know players on his team. You know, yell pass or run, pass or run, like he's in middle school. And then we've seen you know we saw in this game. Uh, defensive players are yelling at Russell Wilson. Uh, It's all been bad. He's been bad. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett has been really, really bad. He's got to go. And it's sunk to a new low this week because a new rumor suggests that Sierra, Russ's wife, threw him a birthday party. He turned 34 this week or over the weekend. It was an off day. One of the team's off days. Obviously, the whole team is invited. And only about half the guys showed up. Not a good look considering Russell Wilson and the Broncos are married through the 2028 season and he was given $165 million guaranteed. I believe we just had another turnover. Let me see what's going on. Either Utah got a first down or there was a turnover. Because one of the USC players was flexing about something. Let me see here. Oh yeah, they punched it out. What a hit by this guy. The guy flexing was the one that. Okay, he knocked it out and the um uh Utah recovered it, son of a gun. So Utah's going in to score. They're inside they're at the uh, the 26 going in the USC 26 here. First and 10. Let's see. All right, USC players are flying around. Utah's moving it, but USC looks they're they're looking all right. They might give up a score here, but we're we're okay. So yeah, um I don't know what's going to happen. Nathaniel Hackett is 100% going to be fired, but they're stuck with Russell Wilson for sure. Okay, the Colts lost a brutal Monday Night Football game. I stopped watching this game um, even though they made a comeback, I was not interested. I had already won my fantasy matchup and all that good stuff. I didn't bet on this game. But we had Colts, Steelers, um, and my God, the Colts didn't look like a football game for a quarter and a half to start this game. The um, Here's a stat for you. Matt Ryan didn't complete a pass until the 7.05 mark of the second quarter. The 7.05 mark, that was the latest into a game for a team's first completion since the 2020 Broncos, I promise I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here, when they were forced to use wide receiver Kendall Hinton at quarterback due to COVID protocols. And believe it or not, this is the second time this year it's happened to the Colts in week nine against the Patriots with Frank Reich still coaching the team. It took them until the 741 mark of the second quarter to complete their first pass. It's incredible. So after Jeff Saturday got his first win of the year against the Raiders, he came back with a a really tough one point loss to the Eagles. It was a Jalen Hurts touchdown run that uh, sealed the deal there, lost by one point last week. And now They start off this game getting blown out. Don't even look like a football team. Matt Ryan looks washed. They did make a valiant F uh, comeback. They turned it around the second half. They did take a 17-16 lead into the fourth quarter. God damn it. They just gave up a uh, quarterback run on fourth and two for a first down. Um, Did USC. So another first down for Utah. Um, But the Steelers scored a late touchdown. Went for two. Got it to 24-17. With the Colts driving and three timeouts, Matt Ryan was running for his life in this game. Scrambles for 17 on a second and 18. The Colts run up to the line. It's now third down. They try to run the ball. I believe they went like backwards or nowhere. They then burn the timeout with like 40 seconds left. It was just bad clock management. And then Matt Ryan scrambles and he throws one up, gets no flag, incomplete pass, and they lose the game just like that. Um, I believe Jeff Saturday said after the game, oh, no, you know, he doesn't regret what, he, you know, his decision making, blah, 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 And he since re- retracted that statement and said he probably should have used his timeouts earlier. I don't understand. Like, I play enough Madden and time and time again, these new coaches just mismanage the clock. I know there's a lot going on in their head, but you have three timeouts. You can't, save them. they don't carry over to next week. like use them or lose them. And in that situation, after the scramble by Matt Ryan, 100 percent, you've got to use that timeout. No way should they have been running that ball. I know what they're what they were trying to do. They were trying to sneak a run in there, get a first down, then call timeout. and it was just not a it didn't work. It did not work at all. So the Colts have dropped to I believe four and seven, four seven, and one, their season is pretty much over. Uh so yeah, the Jeff Saturday magic has all but worn out. All right, let's talk a little baseball, not too much. Um Astros signed Jose Abreu. Just ridiculous. Uh Abreu still got stuff left in the tank in my opinion. Um and they're getting stronger at first base even though they're reporting that he's probably going to just DH mostly, but Abreu 35 years old on the latter end of his career, but Cuban born. Um, but he's been a stud ever since he's been here. Yeah, Utah r- ran it in, so they'll get this to seventeen ten. Still gives USC about three and a half minutes to score, though, uh, 355. So Jose Abreu um, is a beast, in my opinion. He's a former AL Rookie of the Year, won the Silver Slugger, joining, by the way, Frank Thomas as the only other White Sox first baseman to win the Silver Slugger. He's been extremely productive, hitting for more than 30 home runs five times and driving in at least 100 RBIs six times in his nine-year career, which was all with the White Sox. Um, And 2022, yeah, it was probably his least productive season as he hit just 15 home runs and drove in 75 uh, uh, RBIs. But to me, that's not a sign of things to come, but rather an anomaly because it's only one season. All right, let's talk World Cup. I'm fully locked in. U.S. men's national team, baby. one nothing over Iran. Survive in advance, thank you. I got the U.S. at plus 100 on the money line and it cashed. All of America probably bet that game. I saw like 82% of bets were on the U.S. So that was a good cash. That was a good uh, money grab. Although, (laughs) Iran had two chances late in the 90-plus minutes. Thank God uh, we got lucky a little bit there. But Christian Pulisic sacrificing his body to score the lone goal of the match about 10 minutes before the first half ended, paying the ultimate price. Here's what it sounded like on Fox Sports.
1: Robinson, back for the captain, Tyler Adams. Austin McKinney, Dest making a big run. It's been for him. Des is snuck in behind. Des into the middle. Pulisic! Scores! Might have paid the price. But the US takes the lead.
0: Oh, he paid the price. Um, he basically goes off. He's in such pain. He goes behind the goal. They're looking at him. All of a sudden the game is still going on. I don't know why they're not allowed to sub their man down. So he has to run back in, plays like the final 10 minutes of the half, limping out there. In serious pain goes to the hospital, we find out later it's a pelvic contusion uh, does not sound fun, but we now know thankfully he was day to day. he he was feeling okay. He said he's probably gonna play. We now know he will be out there. he will be playing. I mean, come on he's our he's our best player for sure. So um, yeah, we need him out there if we have if we want any chance tomorrow morning against the Netherlands. It could be another good play. Netherlands are like minus 350. Last I checked on the money line, U.S. getting good money value um, on the money line. And Netherlands don't scare me. Yeah, they're a powerhouse, um, but like they were in, they had an easy group round and the U.S. has given up one goal on a stupid PK to Gareth Bale. So if we, you know, can get our offense going, it, it, you know, if Weya can figure out what he's doing and learn how to score and shoot the ball, granted, he did score on a ball that was, they were called, he was called off sides, which was questionable. But, um, so yeah, uh, I give us a puncher's chance, but, uh, and actually Polisic was asked, I believe this was today about like the pelvic contusion and really what the heck is that? It's pretty funny. have response too much information, but like, can you tell us what exactly like you were feeling when you woke up the next morning after the game, for example, and what exactly a pelvic contusion is? Um, I
1: mean, yeah,
0: I mean, it's a a pelvic contusion, you know. Um,
1: just, it's, it's not a euphemism, Henry, it's what it sounds like. No, but at the same time, it's not. It, like,
0: I didn't get, like, hit in the balls, but, like, it, it, it's not like,
1: I'm, I'm all right, I'm all right. It was very painful, and it, it just, you know, that bone is there for a reason to protect you, I think, and I, I, I hit it well, and uh, it was sore, but, uh, like I said, I'm getting better.
0: Yeah, so there you have it. Uh, that's pretty much all you need to know. He did not get hit in the balls. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, painful nonetheless. But he will be out there playing. So very good news um, for the U.S. As for Mexico, uh, uh, of course, this would happen to me. Uh, there was a bet: Mexico, Canada, and the U.S. Two of the three to advance to the round of 16. And of course, it doesn't happen. I took the bet. Um, Mexico can isn't moving on they were eliminated they beat saudi arabia 2 to 1 i believe those were their only two goals of the group stage but they lost out on a goal differential in favor of poland uh this marks the first time mexico has failed to reach the knockout stage since 1990 since before i was born so yeah just my luck because i i needed them to get to get through to the next round to win some money and it didn't happen um let's see uh oh also right as the world cup ended their coach wasted no time resigning just leaving the team uh gerardo uh, tata martino just was like peace out i'm done i don't want to coach this team anymore um and uh, unfortunately my boneheaded pick of germany was eliminated i've still got money on the u.s thankfully but uh I'm super annoyed. I was trying to keep the streak alive. Picked France four years ago. I was hoping Germany would be the, you know, would cash in this year, um, but it just didn't happen. Um, Germany, man, they they lost to Japan in the opening round. Then they had a beautiful come from behind tie, tied 1-1 against Spain, and then they beat, they needed to beat Costa Rica and have Spain beat Japan. Well, at halftime, they were up one nothing on Costa Rica, and Spain was up one nothing on Japan. Fast forward, second half, Japan comes out and they score two goals and they win two to one and beat Spain. And Germany beats Costa Rica three to two. So Japan wins the group, wins the group over Spain and Germany and beat both of them. Uh, it's it's absolutely shocking. And uh, what's crazy is I did read a little bit about Japan being this sort of underdog to that 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 might that could possibly make a run. Um and. I told my brother about it, and he threw five bucks on him. It pays fifteen hundred, so you never, you just never, never know. Um, it's just shocking they were they were able to win um, that group. There is so, some some rumblings out there in the universe that Spain let Japan win to eliminate Germany. In- interesting thought. Is it true? I doubt it. Um, also Japan, can we talk about for a quick second, how much of a fun team they are to not only watch, but they've been, you know, a fan favorite amongst the most of the world because of what their fans actually do after games, their fans actually go and clean up the stadium and their, um, players actually clean the locker room clean it it's incredible um it just goes to show you know their culture and and how they you know v- their views um crazy 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 um speaking about the world cup this actually could be the last one with this exact format which is crazy because the next one is going to be in the US so i'm um, i'm actually quite excited because i do plan on going to the to that world cup i believe metlife will be hosting there will be an expansion to, uh, 48 teams compared to the 32 we now see Uh, plus there will likely be 16, three team or three team groups versus the four we see now and a 32 team knockout round compared to 16 now, uh, which is just crazy. Just mayhem. It's going to be crazy mayhem. Uh, plus there will likely be, uh, excuse me. Also FIFA is considering adding a bonus point option to group stage draws, which could include a pre-game shootout, a PK shootout. PK shootouts are, are, are awesome and electric as it is now, but they kind of suck when it's deciding a match at the end of overtime. So to have this before the game, whether it means something or not, I think is kind of cool because it gets the fans engaged right away um, and whatnot. So I think that's awesome. Okay, and other news, some dis- some disturbing uh, news, actually, and I have an update on this as of uh, today. Uh, Gainesville police in Florida arrested and jailed Florida redshirt freshman Jalen Kitna, son of former NFL quarterback John Kitna, Wednesday, on two counts of distribution of child exploitation material and three counts of possession of child pornography. So he was... Uh, he posted, he he was in jail, uh, $80,000 bail was posted. He is now out of jail. Uh, Kitna did tell police he shared two images on a Discord server, but a search of his device revealed three additional images of child sexual abuse material. Here's what I have to say about this. This kid's 18 years old. Um, For those of you that don't know what Discord is, it's another social media app. Um where, you know, you message people, whatnot, whatever. Anyway, people post not safe for work content in there all the time in these different servers and, 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 and what. But my point being, 18-year-old kids, they don't understand the weight of their actions. By no means is this guy like probably into child pornography or some child predator or anything like that. This kid probably was, you know, sending these images to people as some sort of, you know, sick humorous joke. I don't, I don't know. Um, but he's just 18 years old, so hopefully he learns from this mistake, and, and can move on. Unfortunately, today he was let go from the program. He was dismissed from the Florida Gators football team, and. More than likely, this is a kid that will wind up at a junior college somewhere. Hopefully, try to get a second chance and put up some good numbers, and then maybe um, once time passes and people, you know, can move on from this, and 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 he does his, you know, time. Um, in essence, that everyone can move on. But this is a lesson to the younger generation, man. Social media, you know, you gotta be careful. You've gotta be careful. We had a player, I spoke about it last week, I believe. He lost his scholarship to Florida, I think it was, or Florida State, because he said the N-word in a video he posted to TikTok. All he was doing was reciting rap lyrics to a song. If they don't want us to say that word, don't put it in the song. So just crazy. And I believe even the rapper of that song came out and said it was ridiculous that he lost his scholarship too. So just crazy. Okay, moving on. Devin Booker, the other night, Wednesday, had one of the most efficient and greatest scoring games in NBA history. Booker scored 51 points in just three quarters and just 31 minutes of play. And he shot, he made 20 of 25 shots from the field, including six for seven from three. Oh, and by the way, the Suns beat the Bulls. 132 to 113. Why is that significant? Because Devin Booker had previously been 0-3 in 50-point games, which was the worst record by any player with three plus 50-point games. Crazy. Oh, thank God. Utah just missed a big chance on back-to-back plays to get chunk yards. Um, USC had to punt again. There's a minute 20 left. It's third and 10 Utah ball. Um, Some new Kyler Murray beef going on. Um, See, here's what I feel about Kyler Murray. You either love him or you hate him. As a fan, personally, I kind of hate him. Um, I have this debate with my friends all the time. Some of them think he's a great talent, but he rubs me the wrong way. Then there was the whole contract stuff in the offseason. He doesn't work hard enough. He plays too much Call of Duty, blah, 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 blah. Um, So Patrick Peterson, one of his former friends, excuse me, friends, one of his former teammates with the Cardinals, who is now on the Vikings having a great season. Patrick Peterson was on his own podcast when he said, Kyler Murray, don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray, direct quote, to which, of course, Kyler Murray is going to respond. And what did Kyler Murray say? He said, this isn't true. You on some weird shit. You got my number. If you really felt like this as a big bro or mentor, you supposed to call me and tell me, not drag me so your podcast can grow. Okay, here's what I'll say to this. Um, That's fair in in, in defense of Murray, sure. Um, but at the same time, Peterson has no allegiance to Kyler Murray anymore. He doesn't play with him and what this whole big bro or mentor thing what is i don't know what that's about patrick peterson was a db on the cardinals yeah maybe he was a leader of that team but kyler murray was a quarterback i could see if this was a veteran quarterback that was supposed you know supposed to mentor and and help grow him as a lead, as a leader and a quarterback but to me kyler murray doesn't seem like the leader type um so i could see this totally being true the rumors were there. I mean, he plays video games, he doesn't study the playbook and all that stuff. So, um, I have sympathy for for both of them. I don't mind uh Peterson coming out and saying this. I mean, everybody's got a a podcast now. What was he saying it for views? Did he did he think it was going to be something that people just, you know, said, "Oh, okay, he said that and move on." No, of course it was going to it was going to get clicks and it was going to roll some eyes and and, and be eyebrow raising for sure. So uh, we'll see if anything comes of this. But for now, I haven't heard too much besides that. OK, last night we had a big Thursday night football game, AFC East matchup between the Bills and the Patriots. This was a big game for the Jets for two reasons. If the Bills were to win this game, it would pretty much push the Patriots further down away from the Jets because if, if, God forbid, it comes down to the Jets and Pats for that final playoff spot, of course, Pats beat us twice. So now they're two games behind the Jets and the Jets have a game cushion should they lose Sunday. So that's nice. On the flip side, if the Pats were somehow able to win this game, then the Jets just have to go out and beat Minnesota and have the 49ers beat the Dolphins and boom, Jets are back in first place. Um, but that wasn't realistic. So I was glad the bills went out and beat the Pats, uh, beat them up pretty good. 24 to 10 was the final, um, the, so here's the deal. I ended up going back and forth. I'm like, oh, the spread started at like five. Then it came down to three and a half. And I'm like that damn hook and yada, yada, yada. And then I said, hold on. I know the NFL hasn't been great, but Sunday afternoon, Sunday afternoon. The 1 p.m. slot, I missed out on a $25, pretty safe. It was 25 to pay 128, so it would have paid, you know, I would have netted like 103 bucks. 14 parlay, alternate spreads. I just needed a win. Just show me that the NFL isn't rigged. Give me a win. And the Ravens blew it. I needed the Ravens to hold on and win by three, and they freaking blew it. Um... They blew it late to the Jags. They're just a weird team. They're not very good. I don't get it. Um, And the way Lamar Jackson's been playing, he was missing high on a lot of receivers. Um, Lamar Jackson ain't going to get himself paid. It's weird. I don't know what's going on there. It is crazy, though, to think Deshaun Watson, you know, suspended 12 games, all the sexual assault allegations and everything, and he got $230 guaranteed from the Browns. And Lamar Jackson, who was an MVP in this league, can't get a contract extension, just a uh, crazy side note there, but lost a hundred, you know, lost out on a hundred there, but then the 4.00 PM window, I bet I parlayed the chiefs minus nine and a half and the, um, the 49ers, whatever the spread was there, four and a half or whatever those hit. So I won 166 off of that. And then I was like, all right, here we go. So it's legit. So going into last night's game, I don't bet Thursday night games a lot. I'm like bills. I'm going to parlay the bills. I was already feeling a Stefan Diggs touchdown so I went Stefan Diggs touchdown, parlayed it with the Bills. I was safe here. I dropped the Bills spread to two and a half to be safe. It was minus 205. Bang, bang, winner, winner, chicken dinner. That hit. And um, the payout on that was 205. So I'm feeling frisky. I'm up a good amount. If USC can cash this, I'll be up like almost six. Over six bills since Sunday. So that'd be a nice, nice way to uh, get this month started, especially nice finish to the year. I'm I'm looking, looking pretty. Uh, Josh Allen, of course, looked like his old self last night, too. He made some history in the win, became the first player in NFL history with three seasons of 25 touchdown passes and five rushing touchdowns. He also has thrown 15 consecutive touchdown passes without an interception against the Patriots postseason included, and all in the last five games. That is the most consecutive touchdown passes without an interception versus the Patriots in Patriots franchise history. Uh, and the Patriots have serious issues on offense, so much so that the even-keeled Mac Jones was seen cursing at offensive coordinator Matt Patricia saying, pass. The effing ball, the running game sucks. Uh, It's safe to say the Matt Patricia defensive coordinator turned offense coordinator experiment has probably run its course. I doubt he'll be doing that again next year. Okay. In other news, Cade McNamara has decided to transfer to Iowa, the um, former Michigan quarterback who started during last year's playoff run, only to lose his job to J.J. McCarthy this season. He actually redshirted this season. Uh, it will be transferring to Iowa. He is a former four-star prospect, but uh, I mean, he, he can play. We, we've seen him at what he's capable of with Michigan, um, but Iowa? Really? USC is pissing this game away. Utah has first and goal down to the like five yard line, 11 seconds left. So Utah has one more play before they'll have to kick a field goal here. USC has to pray that they don't give up a touchdown here because Utah gets the ball to start the second half. I'm starting to have, I'm going to have to sweat this out in the second half. Um, anyway, so McNamara, yeah, he's choosing uh, Iowa. Here's the issue with Iowa and why I say it like that because. Iowa averaged just over 17 points per game this season and 4.23 yards per play. That would be good enough for 129th out of 131 FBS teams. And if Rutgers isn't 130 or 131, then that means their offense is worse than Rutgers, who got shut out multiple times this year. Multiple times! And it's an offense run by the coach's son, who has had to answer a lot of questions about the play calling and people saying he would have been fired by now if he wasn't the coach's son. So McNamara is either confident as hell in his ability and believes that he can turn things around for the Hawkeyes or he's making one of the dumbest decisions ever. Um, Another quarterback that has decided to transfer and it's a big one, it's a doozy, it's Notre Dame quarterback Drew Pine. The news came today and Pine will not play in Notre Dame's upcoming bowl game. He will have three years of eligibility left. The ball's on this kid. Um. So, oh my God, the tight end dropped a touchdown. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Something tells me they're still going to try for another pass here because they got seven seconds left. So this kid didn't start the season as the quarterback. Comes in, goes yeah, goes eight and two finishing 20th nationally in individual QB efficiency for what's that worth, for what that's worth, through 22 touchdowns, six interceptions, um, ran for 108 and two more scores while completing 64.6% of his passes. Please sack him. Oh my God, they gave up the touchdown. This is unbelievable. I mean, the Pac-12... Good luck to USC if they get in this college football playoff. There is no defense played in the Pac-12. You can't be serious right now. You can't be serious. This is disgusting. Um, I'm going to have to sweat this out in the second half. Unbelievable. They were rolling 17-3, to and they give up back-to-back touchdowns because they can't move the ball after they get a turnover in plus territory. Okay, here we go. Um. He was four and one. This kid Pine uh, against top twenty five teams. His lone loss came against USC uh, last week. But who the hell does he think he is? He thinks he's so good he's just going to leave Notre Dame and go somewhere better. Notre Dame is a top program nationally. Yeah, they had a bit of a down year, um, but come on, man, this is ridiculous. This, this this transfer portal is is a is turning into a joke, an absolute joke. Anyway, that's that. Uh, let's get uh, so a couple of baseball uh, things happen today. We had the Rays um, signing Zach Eflin to a three year deal worth $40 million. Zach Eflin got $40 million with the Rays. That's significant because it's the largest free agent contract the Rays have ever doled out. Insane. Um, we also had a trade between the Mariners and Brewers, bit of an interesting one. the Mariners sending Jesse Winker and Abraham Toro to the Brewers for Colton Wong. Also in other baseball news, I'm sad to report Gaylord Perry, the great Gaylord Perry passed away at the age of 84 yesterday. I have some insane numbers on uh, stats uh, to uh for Gaylord Perry's. Oh my God fall on the ball. They tried to lateral it, and this guy fell on it as time expired at the one yard line. That could have been ugly. Anyway, the Hall of Famer and two-time Cy Young winner was the was obviously most known for his spitball, but he was much more than that. Perry won 314 games with a 311 ERA, 3,534 strikeouts. The only pitchers in history who can match all three of those numbers are Walter Johnson and Tom Seaver. That is it. Perry was the first pitcher to win the Cy Young in both the American League and National Leagues. He and his brother Jim are also the only brothers to each win a Cy Young. Perry won more games than any pitcher in the 60s and 70s combined. Somehow, yes, somehow it took three attempts For Perry to finally be voted into the Hall of Fame in 1991. I'm not done yet. He also threw 5,350 and one-third innings, sixth most all-time, and only 36 fewer than Nolan Ryan. And for a nine-year stretch, he threw at least 300 innings in a season seven times in an eight-year span. For a 10-year period, he averaged over 300 innings pitched per season. Nobody in baseball, really. There's a handful of guys nowadays that that hit the 200-inning mark in a season. So to do it that many times, 300 innings, incredible. Uh, he threw 53 shutouts, tied for 16th most, and his 1.181 whip, walks and hits per innings pitched, is also good for top 20 all-time, just ahead of the great Bob Gibson. Unbelievable, lost a legend, Crazy. Those are crazy numbers, um, courtesy of Tim Kirchin. All right, here we go. What are you guys watching this weekend? We're hitting frigid temperatures. So stay inside, watch some football, college football, um, NFL football, you name it. There's some great games this week. It's championship week. So there's no excuses. We've got 13, number 13, Kansas State at number three, TCU. That's on ESPN at 12 p.m this is basically for the final spot TCU wins they're in TCU loses they're out in my opinion gotta win this game and TCU has been cashing I I've won some good bets with them for f- for the majority of this season they're a good bet um so Max you know Max Dugan's another guy looking at Heisman finalist eight touchdowns of 50 yards or more. More than anybody in the country, just ridiculous. Okay, then you've got number eleven LSU at number one Georgia. This would have had some more steam to towards it if LSU didn't lose last week to freaking uh you know Texas A and M. They'd be in that four spot right now. But that game's four p.m. on CBS. Uh, at eight p.m. on ABC, you've got number ten Clemson at number twenty four UNC, and then also at eight p.m. you've got Purdue at number two Michigan. That game on Fox. If Michigan doesn't blow them out by 20 or more, that'll be shocking. Okay, in the NFL, we've got in the 1 p.m. slot, Jets at Vikings. I'm loving this game. I might pick the Jets' money line straight up. We'll see. Commanders at Giants, that's a 1 p.m. game as well. On Fox, that's gonna be a great game as well. Commanders, I believe, are a slight favorite. This is a tricky one. They're like three and a half point favorites. I don't know what to make of this because... Um, uh, the Commanders are rolling. They've won six of seven. It, it's just a tricky game here. I could see the Giants at home pulling this out, but the Giants are trending, uh, downward, and the um. Commanders are trending upward and should get Chase Young back this week. So let me double check a couple of these spreads. Jets are three point underdogs. If it's at three and a half, I really like that. But again, I might take them uh, on the money line. And the uh okay, so Commanders are two and a half point, fa- uh, excuse me, two point favorites now. Giants plus two at home. Interesting. It, it's interesting. Um, I kind of like Washington in this one, but I might, I I probably won't touch this game. You've also got the Titans at Eagles. That's a one p.m. vehicle on Fox. Um. If you, you know, in in your area, I get the Giants here on the East Coast Um, and then Chiefs Bengals at four. That's in the 4 p.m. slot. That should be a great game. Uh, You know, that's a matchup, a playoff matchup from last year. I think this is a big time chief revenge game, although the Bengals are getting Joe Mixon back for this game. So that's a must watch for sure. Uh, what other big games do we have? What's the Sunday night game? Oh, of course, 49ers, Dolphins. That's a big one. Dolphins are probably going to be without both of their tackles. 49ers, four-point favorites. I love me some 49ers in this game. And listen to this stat. The 49ers have not given up a point in the second half in their last four games. Just incredible. Um, So they... This is going to be interesting. Um, if Tua doesn't have time, if both tackles are out, they stand no chance. So give me the 49ers there. Um, let's see. Chiefs are two-point favorites over the Bengals. I like that there. Um, let's see. Okay, the Sunday night game is the Cowboys hosting the Colts. This is kind of a snoozer. Colts are 10.5-point dogs. And then the Monday night game is the Bucks and the Saints. Oh, God. Um, Yikes. So yeah, those are those are those games. Um and then obviously you've got college basketball going on. I I didn't really talk much about that. There's just too much going on to talk about that. Anyway, oh, and the biggest the biggest news of it all. Right as I was getting on the podcast, Jacob DeGrom signed a 5-year, 185 million dollar deal with the Texas Rangers. So Jacob DeGrom is going to now go off into the sunset of obscurity. That Corey Seeger and Marcus Simeon find himself in, that is the Texas Rangers. They have not been relevant since Josh Hamilton took them to a World Series. What was that 20? Is that 2010? It might have been 2010 or somewhere around there. Anyway. Uh finally, last but not least, on this date in sports. Way back when we go all the way back to what, December 2nd? Um, Oh geez, hold on! I don't have the date for this. Let's see. The date on this would be. Let's see. Sorry about that. Um. Got us. Okay. Uh. December 2nd, 1984, Dan Marino sets the single season record for touchdown passes when he connected with Jimmy Cephalo, or Cephalo on a four-yard pass in the first quarter. Marino, of course, would add three more touchdowns, but it was not enough as the Dolphins suffered a 45-34 to 34 loss to the LA Raiders. They were the LA Raiders at the time. At the Orange Bowl, my oh my oh, things have changed since. Uh, Marino would finish the season with 48 touchdowns and 5,084 yards, setting new records. All right, that wasn't too bad. An hour and three minutes in, uh, as I just get a notification that my Brooklyn Nets beat the Toronto Raptors by nine, they were up by 30-something at one point, and that one Got down to single digits, but a win is a win. The Nets are above 500. They're looking good. Lost Ben Simmons with some knee issues again, but you know, hopefully things aren't too bad. Uh, they're shaping up to be good. Durant, Kyrie are looking strong. Them boys are rolling right now. So I'm happy. I'm a happy Nets fan, and hopefully by Sunday afternoon, I'll be a happy Jets fan as well, and I'll know that they're for real. And if Mike White is the answer or not. Um, I hope I didn't miss anything. Hope nothing crazy was going on while I was doing the show. Uh, It's all or nothing, baby. U.S. men's national team, 10 a.m. against Netherlands. I have softball practice in the morning, 9 to 10. I hope to get home to catch some of the first half, possibly uh, not. And then I will, of course, watch the second half. And I'm still debating whether or not. If I win this USC bet tonight, I will probably throw minimum 50 bucks on the U.S. So we'll see got to win this USC bet, um, first and foremost. So with that being said, guys, you have been listening to episode 193 of this week in sports. I'm the Pody signing off and to the rest of the world, it's called soccer.